0: Welcome to Business Done Differently, where baseball team owner turned showman Jesse Cole speaks with successful entrepreneurs who stand out in business and in life by thinking differently and challenging the status quo. We believe whatever is normal, do
1: the exact opposite, and that normal gets normal results. If you want to stand out and be different, this one's for you.
0: Today's guest is a member of the Sales and Marketing Hall of Fame, Professional Speakers Hall of Fame, and Best Selling Offer of All Businesses Show Business, What Customers Want, Seven tenants of Taxi Terry, Create Distinction, and now Iconic. He's worked with some of the largest companies in the world and inspired millions globally. Personally, he's made a huge impact on me and my teams, and he's one of my mentors from afar. Today, I am pumped to welcome Scott McCain to the show.
1: Jesse, it could not be better. Of anywhere I could be in the world, this is it right now, man. I'm telling you. Thank you for having me. And it's great to meet you uh, remotely. And I look forward to the chance to do that in person before too long. Definitely. Well, I'm so excited to talk because
0: a lot of people know, you know, with Fans First Entertainment, everything we think about is the show and how to put the ultimate customer experience. And you've talked about this since the beginning. And I really want to start from all businesses show business. Uh, <laughs> one of my, you know, absolute favorites. Also, the, the great Oh, look cover. at the Holy cow. <laughs> yes. All right, I got it, and you can see all the bookmarks inside. Um, man, it made an impact because it made me think of business differently, and I, and I believe every business is in the entertainment business. And yes. just share me how did that book come about? Because and I think there's some real things that are still true today, 17 years later.
1: Oh man, I thank you so much for that. It was a strange time in my life because I was trying to build a business, I was uh, advising and on the board of another business, and I had this weird, you know, part-time thing where I was a movie reviewer. I would review movies. It was syndicated to about 100 television stations across the country. And that also gave me the opportunity to participate in uh, what they call the junkets. So the studio would fly you into Hollywood or New York City on like a, a Friday morning. You'd see the movie on Friday night. You'd interview all the celebrities that were in the movie on Saturday. And so I had the chance to talk with folks like John Travolta and Tom Hanks and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Meryl Streep and I was living kind of this double life, you know, where a couple days a week I was in the entertainment business and then the other five I was, you know, doing real businesses. And and I I thought, gosh, there's so many things that Hollywood is doing that they understand about making these emotional connections with their customers, fans or people that buy tickets for a movie, that every business that I'm working with, you know, five days a week need to understand. And that's where that concept came from, is that. All businesses are, ought to have the philosophy of show business, which means that we're going to create an emotional connection with our customers. And Jesse, you'll understand this better than anyone, but one of the problems was when I would go to a regular business and say they were in show business, their immediate response is, well, no, we're not. We're not in laughter and song and dance. Well, you know, Schindler's List is a product of show business. That's hardly the feel good hit of the year. you know? and, and so show business creates an appropriate emotional connection. And the deeper the connection, the stronger the loyalty. Titanic at the time that I wrote the book and later Avatar, they became the biggest selling movies of all time, the biggest box offices of all time, simply because you you went to see it and you went back to see it again. But when you went back, you brought a friend because you wanted to share the experience. So what more do we want in any business other than customers that come back and bring their friends? And it amazed me how few businesses really got that principle at that time. You're right. It's how do
0: you make people feel? Can you grab their heart? You know, they want to become a part of it. And you know, we think yeah. about that at the ballpark. We talk about the concept of happy tears. And yeah. the reality is we've had a seven-year-old kid who got so excited to take a picture at a game with me, and he was crying. And I was like, What's wrong? And he goes, No, don't worry. These are happy tears. They're happy tears. Ah. And so we talk about that emotional connection that we can provide. And so I wonder, like, what are the steps to do it? If, you know, if you say whatever company you're in, Obviously you could think the entertainment business, sports business,
1: oh, it's easy. You put on a show. But like you said, what are the steps to kind of focus on that emotional connection? Well, first let me say it's one of the main challenges that I encounter with professionals is that they don't think about that to begin with. Yes. So the first step is to think about it. <laughs> um I was speaking a while back to the uh, I'm the only non-physician, non-doctor to keynote American Academy of Cosmetic Surgeons. Wow. And um Uh, talking about how they had to create an experience at their practices. In some of the conversations, one of the things they said that really surprised me is that in many schools and in many states, you can become a doctor, you can become a surgeon, and never have a single course on the patient experience. So then I started researching, there are many MBA programs. You can graduate with an MBA and not take a single class on creating a compelling customer experience. So the more I thought about that, the more I realized that that's the first step is to think about it as tried or as plain as that sounds, because our training in business is to maximize revenue and minimize expenses. And we're very bottom line oriented, not thinking about if we obtain and retain customers profitably, what else can you ask for? I mean, that's a successful business. So the first step is to think about what experience are our customers wanting? how do we emotionally connect with customers Mm -hmm. and then what is the appropriate emotion and then back it up. I think the three best words in creating a customer experience and then what Mm -hmm. right. The customer comes to the ballpark or the customer walks in our store and then what, right? We've got to get specific about it. It's not just put on a happy face. As you know, there's a lot of hard work behind this. What do we say? What do we do? How are they greeted? Where do they go? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. And everything matters. Mm. That's the key. Everything matters. I was speaking to a group of uh, chiropractors a while back and one of the chiropractors wrote me later and he said, you know, I typically park in the back in the rear of the office building because my patients have back problems. So I wanted to reserve the closest spaces for them. He's coming from the right place. Right. But he said it also meant I hadn't walked in the front door of my own practice for weeks because I'm always entering the back door. I go into my office. So we don't pay. So he said, I parked at the front. I walked in. I, I wanted to imagine what my patients were going through. And he said, I noticed, you know, there were a few weeds over here on the side and the shrubs that, so he said, I had a landscaper come out and we redid everything. And he said, now here's the terrifying thing. Every patient for the next two weeks mentioned it. Mm. And I said, well, I don't quite get it. What do you mean? It's terrifying. He said, don't you understand? They had to notice the weeds to notice the difference. Mm. And he said, I realized at that moment, everything matters. So he said, we put new chairs in and we had cool posters now in the office rather than making it so sterile. We had music play. I mean, they changed everything about the experience. And he says, guess what? My referrals have expanded dramatically. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. That's what we're talking about, right?
0: You know, it's so funny. It's about every single touch point and how do you make them feel? And You know, when you were talking about that, we actually started this past summer doing something we called undercover fan. So every night, one person on our staff, myself, our full-time staff went completely undercover. We drove into the ballpark. We parked where the fans were. We took tickets. We went through it. We stood in lines. We sat in different parts of the ballpark. And it was eye-opening for me because, for instance... We pride ourselves, and the first thing you see is our parking penguins greeting you. People dressed up as penguins, all right? Then you see our players at the front gate passing out programs, signing autographs. Then you see our pep band, and then our Banana Nana Senior Citizen Dance Team, and then all these things. But what happened was, I planned on getting there a little late. So I got there a little late, and the players were already on the field, ready to play. The band was already set up in the stadium, and all those touch points I missed. And I was like, this is what we pride ourselves. And it was eye opening. I was like, all right, we got to find a way to deliver that for the people that show up late as well, not just the fans that show up early. And so we got, Scott, 30 pages of notes from every one of our staff members on what they noticed as a fan. And I think every single uh, company should do that and look at those touch points. And I think about the show business, stay on that for a second. You know, you talk about how the emotional connection, how you make people feel. Do you ever have them go on like, your clients go on like a journey. It's like, all right, what is the emotion when they open your box? When they walk into your store?
1: When they leave? Do you actually like map the emotional journey at all? Yes, and we're doing that a project in Australia right now where we're doing that. And one of the pushbacks that we get is that old line, but we've never done it that way, right? It's a group of car dealers, and we're saying, gosh, uh, you know, maybe you ought to have like a concierge, because guess what happens, right? When you buy a car, you build this relationship with the salesperson. And then as soon as you sign the contract, they dump you off at finance. Well, wait a minute. Haven't we been dating? You know, is <laughs> it this You've broken up with me, you're handing me up. And so we're working with them and talking with them about one of the things they could do is to have a customer relationship manager who says, Now, here's your professional salesperson that's going to help you buy. It. Here's your professional service manager who's going to keep your car serviced. Here's the professional finance. But your your relationship is not with the salesperson who then breaks up with you to hand you off the service and finance. It's with this relationship manager mm. who manages the emotional connection every step along the way. Mm. We do that so many times in business, right? We let the sales team create these initial connections. And then all of a sudden, we drop them to go recruit somebody else or to go sell somebody else, not thinking about the emotional impact that has on customers all the way through. Because we haven't done exactly what you said, which is map that emotional journey that we want our customers not just to take, but to maintain, mm. right? Because we are moving from a sales economy to a subscription economy. Mm. Sports has gotten this forever, right? We want to sell you the season ticket. We want you to, to buy the merch and to wear our logo. We want you to have a relationship with this team, not just close a sale to buy a ticket for a game. Sports has gotten that forever. Show business has gotten that forever. But for some reason, most businesses haven't. Mm. Get people to subscribe. Get people to, you know, have this ongoing relationship, not just try to close a transaction.
0: But it's not the responsibility of the customer to want to have to subscribe. As a business owner and operator, you have to give them a reason, enough value to be involved with you year-round. And I think so many companies like Oh, well, they buy this, they should come back. No, you got to provide value every single day. So I want to get into Iconic, but with show business for a second, you know, we talked about emotional connection, map the journey, you know, what are those touch points, but you talk about, you know, the high concept and also telling powerful stories as two of the three pieces, then the ultimate, you know, uh, customer experience, but the high concept I've always, you know, grabbed on this very few companies can get it. Can you explain, like, this is almost probably the best
1: starting point. Well, thanks. Because. That was part of what I realized about what I was doing with movies is that, you know, a bomb on a bus. Well, that's speed, right? They could describe it so succinctly and so powerfully. You know, sometimes it even became the title of the movie, Snakes on a Plane. You know, if you were shocked there were snakes on that plane, something <laughs> something's really wrong, right? Uh, what that comes back to, it's a, a quick story. Brandon Tartikoff was the then president of NBC, and he called producer Michael Mann in. And this was, you know, in the 80s, and he just handed him an index card, and all it said on the index card was MTV Cops, and that became Miami Vice. The whole core is, take a cop show and shoot it like an MTV video, and it looks dated if you see it now, but it was revolutionary for the time. And and Steve Jobs, standing on a stage, pulls the first iPod out of his pocket. You know, it's the the first non Macintosh major product that Apple introduced and simply said a thousand songs in your pocket. That's the high concept. Now, interesting what competitors did back then, because there were other MP3 players that said, oh, we have more buttons and we have a bigger hard drive. And they started describing features. But what Jobs got was how the high concept, just that centering principle made all the difference in the world because what we really wanted was a thousand songs in their pocket. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we've got to get down to. What is that core of what our business is about? And the high concept challenges us to say that in six seconds or less. You know, Domino's said your pizza in 30 minutes back in the 90s, even though they haven't used that slogan for you know 20 years, we still think of Domino's. Their flag is in the ground that we are hot and fast delivery. Mm. Papa John's I uh, always said, better ingredients, better pizzas. So they compete in that same pizza marketplace. But for years, we thought of Papa John's as having the superior quality product, but Domino's is the one that got it there, hot, fast, and now. So they differentiated themselves based simply on that core principle, that high concept that everything else springs from. If customers can't explain that, then how do they refer you? But even back it up, if your employees don't know that. How do they explain it to a customer? Because it's easy for me to tell you about Domino's. Oh, their pizza's hot fast now. It's easy for me to tell you about snakes on a plane, but we make it so hard to explain what our business is. And our problem is, and from the years after writing that book, it's not that we can't focus on what we are, it's that we're so afraid to say what we're not, right? Mm. In most businesses, man, we want the tent to be wide and we want everybody to come in. And we mistakenly assume that some, for example, try to buy a tuxedo at Walmart, can't do it. They know what they're not. Try to buy cufflinks at Walmart, can't do it. They don't sell them. So even when we say low prices every day and we have this wide range of products, they're very specific about what products they don't carry, what they're not. And that's what many businesses mess up. We try so hard to get everybody in. Nobody's loyal to a generic. So the more specific and precise we get about the high concept, the more we attract people by what we are. And the real test is if
0: other people are saying it too. You know, it's really yes. interesting. You know, I mean, I think about this personally. You know, I our company is fans first entertainment. and We talk about oh, yeah. fans first all the time. And we've had a lot of customers share that. But what was fascinating to me when we were interviewed by MSNBC and the senior producer was interviewed by our local media about covering us. And she said what we always say, it's like a circus and a baseball game breaks out. And I was like, all right, that pretty much kind of says it. But you know, it's tough to kind of grapple with that because we say on our website, we make baseball fun. Fans first, entertain always. But then we've been called a circus and we have all the other things. What do you think out of those? like What is the best high concept? Because I think even going through it with me, I think other companies could be able to figure it because that's a very important thing for people to know. I love
1: that it's a circus and a baseball game breaks out because that's very clear to me. First of all, what it is, it's baseball. I mean, that's, you know, but it's also a circus. And both of those, even if you're not a sports fan, who hates a circus? You know, everybody loves that, right? So it's so inviting and it's so precise about what separates you from, for example, it's what separates you from other baseball teams. Mm -hmm. It's what separates you from other circuses, (laughs) even if you wanted to use that, right? I I love that because it also creates an emotional connection Mm -hmm. because, you know, as a kid, what are two things that you remember from your childhood? The very first professional baseball game I saw was at old Comiskey Park in Chicago. And I will never forget that moment where you come through and all of a sudden the grass is, I still remember that like it was yesterday. And I remember sitting in a circus, just being thrilled. So Marry those two and I got to see what this is about. Now, then when you deliver, now you've created a customer for life. Now you've, right? You've got to deliver on that promise, but you've separated yourself from the competition with that. And that's what I encourage every business to do is to get, you know, I'll talk to financial advisors and they'll say, I'll secure your financial future or, you know, you're going to have peace of mind with me. Really, like your competition is saying you're going to be awake all night if you invest with me. I mean, nobody that's so generic. Nobody can can relate to that. But I, uh, when the book first came out, I was doing a speech for financial advisors, and this one guy comes up, and he, he had the generic line. Well, come find out he was a retired Air Force pilot, and he was starting his second career. So now when people say, what do you do? He says, I fly clients through financial turbulence. Mm-hmm. Love it. Tell me more about that. What's that? But it also changed how he looked at his business. So he focuses on more secure investments, low-risk investments, as opposed to speculative investments. So how do you define yourself and the precision with which you define yourself is what's attractive to customers. Mm. The customers we attract are more valuable than those we pursue.
0: Mm. It's brilliant.
1: I, I love it, Scott. And I think it makes everything very clear when you know
0: what that high concept is and you have to deliver on it. And I think you just go backwards. You reverse engineer. You know, I was thinking even with that circus and a baseball game, it's about the show we put on. It's about how we deliver fans first, how we deliver the entertainment. So I think, you know, hopefully the listeners will take out of this. What is your high concept? What makes you different? Not yeah. like everyone else. Is it different? And then we also work on what makes you the only You know, what are you the only, you know, we try to pride ourselves with the only team with a breakdancing first base coach. We're the only team, (laughs) you know, with a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. When you become the only, you become, as your words, distinctive, potentially iconic. So we're going to have a fun game to break up our segue from show business into iconic. So ready? This is going to be a show business showdown, Scott. All right, right, here we go. So I'm going to name a type of industry and I want you to give some elements that they could put on a show for their customers or how they could be. All right, Let's go with a golf course.
1: If I was a golf course, I would have everybody dress, for example, like they were working at St. Andrews, or that they you know they were Scottish and welcome them in that manner. A second thing I, I would have the bagpipes every morning you know, when the first group is because if you think about a lot of folks want that early tea time, so that's the time the first key is backed up. Why wouldn't you bring in bagpipes for that? The other thing is, I would make certain that everybody left with a sleeve of balls that had the logo of our course on it. So when they were playing another course, and they took the ball out of the bag, they would see the logo of that course, and it would link them to, "Oh gosh, that was such a great time." And they would tell their friends and their you know their foursome about that. That's great gosh, those are just the ones right off the top of the head. but one of the great things about golf is the tradition. And so the other thing is, you know it might be a fun thing at every golf course to connect with a charity and you could buy a Mulligan uh, for the charity. And then connect with your community because at the end of the year, at the you know every six months or something, you would make a donation so that every foursome would agree. With, you know, that it's against the rules, but you're gonna have a mulligan. Most of them would do it anyway. But get five bucks. You know, just think about it. if you got twenty dollars from every foursome to donate to charity, then you make a big splash in your community and you become the golf course that's connected with what really matters in your local area.
0: I love it. You hit touch points. I've actually heard of one golf course that literally has iPod, uh, iPod docs in every one of the. Uh, golf carts. And it's all about playing music. And they have different colored golf balls all throughout the course. And you win prizes if you find one of the golf balls. And they make it an experience. So I love that. All right, you can throw one at me a funeral home (laughs) you know that's interesting because in the book reinventors by jason jennings he talks about anderson mcqueen funeral home and what they do so i am a little biased in the sense but you know again you think about what is a typical funeral home what are the friction points they're dark they're uninviting you know it's not fun it's morbid it's kind of this so you know open it up make it fun you know i think what anderson mcqueen does they have legacy films that they have a uh a coffee place where it's all lit and they have a dog, you know, literally a dog funeral home, they make it where it's fun and inviting. So, you know, you think about how do you make it more of a celebration as opposed to a morning. So when people leave there, they look forward to going to the funeral home. So I would say the thing when they first come in, what do you see? What makes it fun? You know, it sounds crazy, but like that makes it different. I don't think people want to go to someone and just be, I'm going to be sad. I want to make this an experience. So I would think about the same, the touch points, you know, why does everything have to be dark? Can it be well lit? Can it be opened up? So that's what I think of funeral home. That's a good one, though. All
1: right. Now, it just struck me. How much different can you get from a golf course to a funeral home? (laughs) Right. I mean, that's a pretty big golf there. And we've done it for both of those businesses. So if you can do it for a golf course and a funeral home, if you can do it for baseball and other things, you know, every business can do it. All business truly is show business. If we start thinking in that manner. How do you make people feel? What are the friction points? And go all the
0: way and have that concept of what makes you different. So I think this is great. I want to go through that a little bit.
1: May I ask you a question? Because sure. the number one question I get asked by people, there, there's a program that we do called the Ultimate Business Summit. And It's geared yeah. for small business people with Larry Wingate and Randy Pennington. And, and the number one question that we get asked by small businesses is, where do you find good people? How do you do that in Savannah, finding These people that create this amazing experience. The first thing we do is we tell our
0: story over and over and over again. We share our beliefs. We share who we are. We're very, very vocal on that. And we strongly focus on our internship program. So if you look at our staff, everyone right now started as an intern, including myself, including my wife. So, you know, you build the culture from within. And, you know, I didn't get paid when I started as an intern. My wife didn't get paid. We went through this journey and we talk about the stories. I think in finding great people, you have to be very clear on what you want, but also what you don't want. We finally put an ad out for someone uh, for a new position. We wrote, do not apply for this job. And we gave all the reasons on why you shouldn't apply. We are so clear. We interview our whole staff uh, constantly and we ask who should not work for our company people that can't deal with constant change, you know, these different things that happen in our organization, part of our fans' first way. We also ask for a future resume, not what have they done in the past, what do they want to do in the future? Wow. Because we test part of our fans' first way is always be caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing, and hungry. If their future resume has them at the same position for the next five years, they're not growing or hungry. So we can test that and see that. So we're still learning, but what we've learned is when we brought people from the outside that they didn't understand our culture, they didn't work out. We had our first ever turnover the last few months, and it was people that came from the outside, and everyone who's been with us has been interns.
1: So, I don't know. I love that. You know, one of the things that struck me when you said that is uh, there was a recent interview with Jeff Bezos of Amazon, of course, and they were talking about how difficult it is to work for Amazon and that that's kind of the culture there. And he says, well, one of the important things about that is it's kind of self-selecting. You know, if you don't want to work hard and if you don't want to put in these hours, you don't apply and go to work at Amazon. And when you create that culture, it's okay not to like our culture. It just means you choose not to work here. And I have some business leaders say, well, you know, the culture, I I have other people. It's got to start with the CEO. It's got to start with the owner. It's got to start with you. And if you don't think you're creating a culture, then that's the culture you're creating is one of indecision and reticence about being involved. That's so critical. So, really, what you've created is almost this self selecting. You know, if, if I don't want to be enthusiastic, if I don't want to be yeah. engaged, then I'm not going to go to work there because I've self selected my way out or my way in. And that's one of the critical aspects of being iconic and creating that kind of culture. I love it. It's a great tangent because it made me think. You know, every company needs to niche down
0: on what makes them different, what their high concept is, but also niche down on what's their culture, what's their employees looking for, and be very, very clear on that. And I don't think many companies they focus on who they want for customers, but they spend such a detail on their act employees. And it took us, you know, 12 years to realize, like, you know, we are really just gonna keep looking for interns, people that can grow with us and work three, five months and see do they believe it enough that they wanna come back and do we want them back. So all right, we're gonna I want to move quickly into iconic because blown away, the five factors of like, iconic performance, play offense, get promise, performance right, stop selling, go negative, which is crazy, and reciprocal respect. Any of those that really fascinated you in your research? Because a few were, for me, were like, what a wow.
1: Thank you. Uh, there were two. And uh, the go negative was, you know, because I'm a positive guy. I'm always looking for the, you know, as you are, you know. And what I realized from talking with the leaders that were the case studies of the book, is that you can go negative and really, really try to root out where are those friction points Mm. without being a negative person. Because Jack Miller is the CEO and general manager of the Fairmont Princess Scottsdale. And one of the really insightful things he said to me is that by really, really aggressively trying to find out what's upsetting our customers, that we fix the process. What many businesses try to do is to placate the customer that's had a problem but they don't drill deep enough to fix the process that created that problem to begin with. Therefore, what you might have is another customer with the same problem who just goes someplace else or never comes back. You don't realize what's happened there. And so by going negative, and sometimes we've gotten into this point where if an employee brings us a problem, we assume the employee is negative. We shoot the messenger. And so we've got to be better than that to be iconic. We've really got to exploit the language I use in the book is what's pissing off our customers. You know, well, Are there those points? And it's like what you talked about earlier, Jesse, when you said, if you get there late, you don't get the experiences if you get there early. Well, you didn't know that unless you really looked at the process and what these points might be. And that's part of what we have to do. The whole thing about SWOT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So many people are afraid to point out a weakness or a threat. And so we kind of reposition it as an opportunity and it really doesn't get the attention that it deserves because if it's a weakness, if it's a threat, man, we got to jump on that with everything we have and fix that process Mm. to solve that problem. And I found the iconic companies and the iconic leaders We're really aggressive about that. Yeah, 100%. And you
0: don't think you have to survey your fans or survey your customers. You know, it's just being aware and thinking, if you are a customer, what does it look like? You know, I heard so many people complain just in general about going to stadiums and arenas and getting nickel and dimed. You pay eight bucks for this. So we eliminated it. We said, what would be the best experience? And we made all of our tickets, all you can eat, include all the burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, everything for 15 bucks. And it was like, all right. So uh, reimagine the experience. It doesn't have to be like that. And I think one of the great points you make in the book, it's uh, a focus on the customer, not the competitors. And you look at all your competitors, how they're doing it. No, what's the best customer experience? And I think this was great. You quote, you said, every moment you're playing defense against the competition, waste a moment you could be innovating to make them irrelevant. Yeah. So well said. Talk to me a a little bit about how What you've seen companies that aren't paying attention to the competition that they're doing to play offense and to really stop selling
1: some of these iconic things. If you take a look at, we were talking about the car business earlier, right? I mean, what happens there is they tend to worry more about the dealership down the street than they do about, okay, how do we create this amazing experience? And so what happens, you get a business like Carvana that comes in and you can go online and you don't have to haggle and they'll bring the car to your house. Or if you want a great experience, In some markets like Nashville, you can go. They give you this big coin. You put a coin, and it's a car vending machine that comes around and lowers your car and comes out. But then there's a little sign on the vending machine talking about cool. It says, "No, you can't shake this and get one free," which is so great. It's like, how do we reinvent? How do we think of this not in terms of what other car dealers are doing, but what would be a great experience for a customer? There's a dental office in Austin, Texas that's really in a converted trailer. And so they bring it to your neighborhood because if you have a great experience, what would that great experience be? You know, a lot of times we don't feel that good when we walk out of the dentist's office. They'll park in the front, right? I mean, they'll bring the dentist to you. It's all of these things about thinking about how do we make it incredible for the customer? How do we create this ultimate customer experience rather than letting tradition and how it's always been done and how the competition is doing it define us right uh-huh. i mean think about your local dry cleaners promise wow. you where i go to the dry cleaners here in las vegas if the one across the street said shirts for one99 99 they'd post a sign that said shirts for $1.98. i mean all they're worried about is as opposed to like remembering my name hey how great would that be they can do it at starbucks why can't they do it at the dry cleaners right? finding all these ways to make us connected let the customer define that And this is what you do so well, Jesse. One of the many things I admire about you. So many people in business can't think like the customer. I don't know why it is, but as soon as they cross the threshold of their business, they think like the owner or they think like the director of sales marketing or they think like, and we're dying of terminal professionalism. (laughs) You're right. You know, I think, are people talking
0: about your business? You know, if you're a customer or whatever, you just talked about a few businesses right there. And I'm sure right now, if I asked you, actually, if a company stands out for you because of their service, you know, what comes to you and how do you make that your own company? You know, how do you make that like you're the customer, you're talking about it? Because if you're like everyone else, like the competition, like everyone else, you'll get results like everyone else and no one will be talking about you. So just out of curiosity, are there any companies that you've worked with recently that really their service
1: or experience, some things they did that like you started talking about? Oh, that's a great question. Well, the Fairmont uh, that I use in the book, they constantly knock it out of the park. For example, You walk in the lobby and there's two dogs. They've got a lab and a golden retriever, Bigsby and Griggs, and it changes your feeling of being on the road, right? Because for those of us that spend 100 nights a year in hotels, it is just the same everywhere you go. To walk in someplace and here's two dogs that look like they're smiling and they're wagging their tail as you walk in, it changes everything about how you feel about checking in. But here's the other thing that they do. They know if you're bringing the family and when you get to the room, the kids have a Bigsby and Griggs coloring book awaiting them in the room and an invitation, you know, a coupon for like a treat. So you go get a treat so your kids can get pictures with the dogs and feed the dogs and, and they'll put their paw on the book and like sign the, the coloring book that your kid. They make it such an incredible homey experience that it's not like, okay, so how do we get our customer through the line and get them checked in more quickly? It's how do we create this experience that nobody else is doing?
0: I love it. I think I want to pack that because I think it's a great lesson there. What's the first impression when yeah. people walk into your business? What do they see? And there they see amazing dogs that are green, and it's cool. Then how do they build characters into their business that you can actually extend? Like, you know, obviously sports does a great job. They have mascots. You know, our mascot split has become a big character. You know, there you go. why don't other companies think about having characters that you can extend the line and have coloring books and have treats for the kids and have things like that? You know, those two things are such great touch points, but not many people are thinking like that, which I think if you want to be iconic, you got to nail the impression, how you make people feel. And yes, these characters that are larger than life that you go home, you're like, wow, I can't believe I met so-and-so. You know, people don't talk about, you know, companies and people that are the same like everyone
1: else. They don't do it. I say that constantly, Jesse, is that in recorded history, no customer has ever said, I love those guys. They're exactly like everybody else. Yeah, Right? I mean, if we think about our personal lives, I mean, I would never think of saying to my wife, you know, the reason I married you is you're just like everybody else I dated. (laughs) I mean, so we know that doesn't work in our personal lives. Why do we think we can then go to work? And that's going to be okay in our professional lives. Oh, it's the differences that attract us, not the similarities. And so doing all that we can to be just like our competition is digging our own grade. And here's the other thing that I want to emphasize and, and you hit on it is that it's not about being different just to be different. If I slap every customer in the face, I am different, <laughs> but, but they're not coming back. It's something that is meaningful And what is meaningful is something that makes us feel. It's it's an emotional connection. And so the more that I can create that, the greater the likelihood is that now we've got a relationship. You know, now we've got something. Loyalty is only generated by emotion. Mm -hmm. I would never be loyal to something towards which I have no feeling. Mm -hmm. And so those businesses that say we're cheaper than the competition, you know, they're, they're, they're watching the price. Then your customers aren't loyal to you. They're loyal to the cheap price because they don't see any difference between you and the competition. 100%. It's creating those memorable moments. It's creating that. And that's what struck me about these iconic companies and these iconic leaders. There wasn't a single one of them, not one of them, that didn't have an amazing culture to begin with. Uh, yeah. uh, St. Elmo's in Indianapolis. I, I don't know if you've ever eaten there or not. But yeah. St. Elmo's, they want the wait staff to view this as a profession. They have business cards with years of service on the business card. Your waiter presents the card, and please ask for me when you return. They have shrimp cocktail, Indianapolis shrimp cocktail. doesn't really go together, (laughs) right? It's the most famous shrimp cocktail in America because the cocktail sauce will eat you up. It's so horseradish laden, but it's delicious. But, man, it's so powerful. But you talk about it. They give you something to talk about. And I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after reading the book saying, oh, my God, I was at St. Elmo's, that cocktail sauce. I mean, immediately, that's what people go to. So they give you something to talk about. Every year, every person on the wait staff gets a bottle of wine from the vintage. It's the year you started working there. And uh, Craig Hughes, who's the CEO, was telling me, you know, it sounded like a good idea at the time. Then you get people spend there 30 years, and that gets to be kind of an expensive gift. But then the next sentence was, and it's one we're glad to give. hundred percent. It starts with caring,
0: you know, just caring more. You know, I say it's moments matter meaning, you know, create moments that show people that they matter and that'll provide deeper meaning. And it goes around in a circle and it starts with your employees. And I think we've talked about being an iconic company and putting on a show, but you got to start with your own people and St. Elmo's taking care of their people. And I love to quote from show business. He said, if your employees are bored, they're boring your customers, which I think you need to entertain and actually think about how do you put on a show for your employees? And I bet you when they present that wine, that's 20, 30 years old, it's not just here you go. It's all about this presentation to show that this is why it matters. This is why
1: you care. And I think that's so special. I know I I want to finish so we could talk further. And it's also aspirational for the Younger employees, yes, yes, right, because they see these older employees that are making six figures a year as a server in downtown Indianapolis, and all of a sudden they see the commitment that the organization has, and now it becomes aspirate. You model the behavior that you want your employees to follow, and you create these models of excellence within your organization. So it becomes internal and and becomes cyclical as well. Mm, 100%.
0: You know, we just recently surprised our fans first director. She does a survey. She cares about all our employees so much. So she does a survey when they first start, you know, a while back. And her bucket list trip was to go to Ireland. And Ah, so we literally had a dinner and we wrote this whole poem about her. Like it was rhymed. It was all about her whole experience. Then we had all these Irish catalogs, Irish beer, and it finished with you're going to Ireland and she's taking her dad with her and her dad was like when it first she took this job she's like what are you doing taking this job and now they're going together on a 10 day trip through Ireland and she got emotional everyone else was cheering they weren't jealous they were like you deserve it and now there everyone you. has these aspirations of wow you know this is going to have meaning because I'm a part of this organization that cares and you know, it's an expensive trip, but worth every penny. And I think companies need to start looking like that, that not just giving little cash bonuses or gift cards. How can you really provide meaning to people if you want them to
1: provide that for your customers? So
0: it's so powerful, Scott. I mean, we could literally talk. talk oh, we forever. could talk all
1: day. I've got one thing I, I wanted to add, though, that you triggered there yeah. that I think is really important that I know that we both realize and it, it's important to share. I think sometimes when people that aren't used to the show business philosophy and this kind of culture that we're talking about They think that every moment has to be happy for employees, and that's not the case. I mean, there are things about your job I'm sure you don't like, and there's things about being a speaker that I absolutely hate. The point is, I'm willing to wade through that. I'm willing to work through that because of the purpose and the greater good that's a part of it. It is not put on a happy face and everything working is going to be fun every moment I'm on the job. It's that I'm willing to do these difficult things because I'm so committed and I'm so engaged. And the greater experience is so compelling that I'll do what it takes to get to that moment. So critical for folks to understand.
0: And I think that you talk so much about sharing your story and powerful stories. And I think to get through those hard points, you have to, as a leader, share the story, have your customers share their stories. You know, we have a full-time director of film and production, which is very rare for a baseball yes. team year-round, but sure. he's producing constant videos of the experiences of the fan experience, everything, because it's also building that foundation of what we do does matter. And so to get through those tough points, say, hey, we just released a documentary a couple of days ago, and hundreds of comments about how much the team means to these fans and these families mm-hmm. and how it brought these families together. And I share where I hold their staff. I go, guys, look at what we're doing. It's tough. We're working hard. We're working long nights. The season's yeah. crazy. But this is why it's at, and I think there are hard points, but as leaders, we have to constantly share why we're doing it, the stories, and share the impact that we're making. I think that's so important in being iconic. Yeah. So, all right, this has been wonderful. I'm going to finish with a few things here. All right, question time, Scott. I believe questions are so important. What questions are you asking, either of yourself or others right now? Because I think if you want better answers, you need to ask better questions.
1: The one I'm constantly asking myself is, am I modeling what I'm encouraging others to do? congruency is really, really important, I think, for any of us. That's why I love how you dress. It's why I love, (laughs) you know, what you do, right? Because you are modeling the behavior that you're encouraging your team to display. And I hope that, I mean, that's, that's my goal is, and as you notice, what I'm asking for businesses continues to elevate. And so, it's both a result of and a striving for elevating my own thinking and my own business and what I'm delivering for my clients because I think congruency is so important. So that's that's one of the questions I keep asking myself: Am I modeling the behavior that I'm encouraging in others? No, that's brilliant. Are you living your brand? That's that yeah, I love it. All right, Final yeah. few. <laughs> By the way, I got distinct tattooed. on my arm i I really did uh because i did the harley davidson dealer meeting and a guy comes up and he says you know he pulls up his shirt and there's the harley davidson logo tattooed you know on his arm and he said all right mr speaker you talked about all this are you as committed to what you talk about as i am to what i sell and i said yeah (laughs) and i got this stick (coughs) inked in my arm because I want to live the brand. Oh, I love it. Well, it's something, I mean, you see it every day.
0: It's a part of you. You know, literally when you get 30, 40 years, am I still being distinct? I believe in it. Let's still believe in it. I love it. All right. What's one thing that you think you've done to stand out in business and in life?
1: Well, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's for customers to judge, you know, uh, because I've had so many people say, oh, this is where I stand out. And, you know, you kind of stand and think, you know, you really really don't. Uh, So I would hope that, In the business of of writing business books and in speaking, it seems like there were folks that were great content people and there were entertaining speakers. And the content people were boring and the entertainment people were fluff. And so my goal was to marry those two. So you get a lot of content, but it was presented in such an entertaining story fashion that it married those two. And part of that's all business showbiz, right? I mean, Garth Brooks became... Believe, I mean, the biggest single recording act of all time, and people don't really know that, right? I mean, he sold more records than Elvis. He sold more units than Frank Sinatra. What did he do? He took a Kiss concert and put it in country music. Yeah. If you take this show business philosophy and you put it someplace that's not used to it, you can stand out, and that's from all business showbiz. Be derivative, you know, not an imitation, but you can take ideas from other fields and put it in your own. And Jeff Bezos looks at enterprise rental car, taking the car to the customer and said, Hey, what if we took the books to the customer rather than make the customer go to the bookstore to get it? And that was the beginning of that. I mean, that was my goal was to give business speeches that had high content that were so much fun that people would invite me back for more. I
0: love it. Well, it's making learning fun. You know, people the conventional way of learning is not fun. And so you're making it fun. And I'm, I believe it's like, put on a show for your customers, put on a show when you're on stage, put on a show at all times. Uh, you're obviously, uh, as much a teacher, you're a learner, Scott, and I'd love oh. to know some of the
1: best advice that you've received. My mentor in the business was a, uh, a Christian humorist named Grady Nutt, who was tragically, he used to be on a hee-haw, and, okay. but he was a very sophisticated, deep thinker. And so you say that, and it doesn't create the right image of what he was really like. He gave me this advice as a speaker, but I think it applies to everything. He said, if the speech doesn't go well, he said, it could be your fault. You weren't on your game. It could be the audience's fault. They partied too late the night before, and they weren't prepared to be in a meeting. It could be the situation's fault. If the PA goes down, they can't hear you. What do you do about that? But he said maturity as a speaker is neither placing the blame in the wrong place, you know, not, oh, well, must have been the PA system. It couldn't be. But it's also not being a martyr, right? It's not, oh, I was terrible and beating yourself up. True professionalism and maturity is understanding why it didn't work out the way it should have, and what you can do to take responsibility to make it go right the next time that's true in a speech, but it's true in everything that we do right is to understand, okay, so if this didn't go right, was it me not on my game? Was it that we didn't have the proper tools to make it work was it but it's also the maturity to not be the martyr oh it's all i'm it's all about. It. But doing what it takes to fix it, taking responsibility. So in other words, what he was saying was, even if it's the audience's fault, the next time you say, hey, maybe it'd be better if you had a 30-minute cocktail party instead of a two-hour one so you people are fresh the next morning, right? And I've really tried to take that to heart in everything that I do as a speaker, but also in my business. If if something didn't work out the way that it should have, you know, did I not do my job or was the process flawed? How do I fix the process? Or... Sometimes it's not people you want to work with. You know, did I choose the wrong customer? Did I choose the wrong client? You know, and my guess is if somebody shows up for a game drunk and rowdy and a jerk, they don't last very long in your ballpark because of what you said about family and fun, because there's some customers that we need to turn away. And it's the maturity to understand that. And one of the things is the more we do that, the more wisdom we gain. We can go on the internet and get tons of information, but the world is crying out for insight and wisdom. And that's what you deliver in these programs and what you're delivering to your colleagues there at the, at the park and what I'm trying to do in my books. And, and we it. all just keep on keeping on. Love yeah. it. I, I think I think it's good say a
0: good segue, our final one here. You know, it's a guy who literally opened my book with my eulogy, which was crazy. And, I'm, and I talk about different when I was in my early 30s when I wrote it. I'm always fascinated by reverse engineering everything and sure. reverse engineering how do people want to be remembered? So my question to you would be, how do you want to be remembered?
1: Someone that contributed to customers and people being treated respectfully and having extraordinary experiences. Mm. Well, you're doing that, my friend.
0: Scott, it was awesome. it was an absolute, absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I can't tell uh, you, like serious? I said, you have made a huge impact. We had fun, a lot of wisdom today. You know where can people learn more? The
1: newest book, Iconic, is a, a game changing book. But where else can people learn more? One of the things we have, we created a, a site called Distinction Nation. Mm. So it's distinctionnation.com. And Jesse, anybody that goes there, there's a 14 day audio course on how to create distinction. It's free. I wrote a, a an ebook called The Ultimate Customer Experience. You can download that free. There are tons of free resources on there. And so anybody that would like to access those, just go to distinctionnation.com and you can access those free resources for stuff on my speaking business. It's just scottmccain.com. It's M-C-K-A-I-N. Just scottmccain.com will tell you more than you probably want to know awesome. about about me and, and my business. A lot of great
0: things. Great podcast as well. You're definitely making it's, a difference and uh, you're doing business differently than anyone I've talked to or worked with. So I appreciate more than anything. Scott, it's, thanks again for everything. Jesse,
1: you're the best. I really appreciate it. See you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently with Jesse Cole, the Yellow Tux Guy. If you love the show, let Jesse know by leaving a review on iTunes or sending him an email at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. For more information on the guest and topics of this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com. Until next
1: time, stop standing still. Start standing out.